All right, everyone, what's good? Welcome back to the Brawn and Brains podcast with me, Kev Gomez and Ben Stanners. Uh, so this is now kind of the uh, second batch of education series videos that we're going to be doing. So we're going to be kicking things off with uh, advanced training. Uh, we won't be going like super mega in depth on, on many things because I'm, I'm yeah. expecting a lot of the people watching this probably just won't have a, a huge need for that and it will probably just kind of end up just talking uh, gibberish and things that aren't really <laughs> applicable to a lot of people. Um, but with that being said, there are certainly uh, some things which we feel people could uh, be much better off knowing, uh, yeah. almost kind of stemming off some of the things that we discussed last time, taking some of those concepts uh, a little further in depth. Uh, potentially kind of some some myth busters on some sort of uh, training related ideas because I think uh, the whole sort of advanced training thing kind of lends itself to what others with uh, a much bigger amount of muscle mass are perhaps doing and people perhaps trying to to replicate that when when they shouldn't be so uh, we'll probably uh, touch on touch on a fair bit and uh, and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get right into it. So I think one of the good things to kind of jump right into uh, is last time we were talking about the idea of training stimulus, the idea that there's a, many different kind of adaptations we can seek from our training. Um, and I think uh, a good one to kind of delve into is the idea of trainability and adaptation even more so, um, because I think there's still a lot of things that people uh, potentially get a little bit skewed in this regard and uh, for starters I'd like to give a bit of a, a shout out to Cassim uh, Hansen because uh, I, I originally kind of came across the idea of trainability from him and some of the ways that, that he put these these concepts uh, made a, a great deal of sense because uh, I, I think a, a good one to actually kind of jump into from there is the idea of sort of mixing training stimuli uh, one one that we're both kind of uh, against to to a degree um, because on, on the idea of adaptation, it doesn't make a, a, a great deal of sense, in my opinion. And I think the way that Cassim worded it actually made a great deal of sense. So if we think back to our first uh, fundamentals of training video, we, we considered the ideas of, you know, a, a stimulus or a stressor, I, I guess mm -hmm. we we'll also call it in, in this case, because when we're going to talk about recovery, I think it is important that we, you know, recognize that a, a stimulus is also going to be a stressor. It is a stressor, um, yeah. The idea of stimulus plus recovery equaling adaptation. Uh -huh. Now, I think to come along with this is uh, almost the idea that adaptation is almost uh, a checkbox that that can be that can be ticked. You know, almost a, a condition that we kind of need to to be met. Whereas almost that that gap between the amount of stimulus and the amount of recovery almost being labeled trainability uh, and th that almost kind of being able to vary uh, based on on you know potentially how much stimulus we're getting versus how much recovery we're getting whereas mm -hmm. almost that adaptation almost being like a, a, a conditional checkbox to be ticked uh, would would you say that's a, a fair way of looking at it for starters ben i'd say it's a reasonably fair way to look at it yeah um I would say you could look at it as, as as ways of of different thresholds, yeah. Because I think thresholds always create this idea that in order to tick that box, you need to reach a certain level or do a certain amount of something to to right. reach that. So I I like the way I like putting it or calling them thresholds to reach. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. 
on on the on the training slash stimulus side of things and the recovery side of things, I think that that's even more important because. I think that got, then kind of gets into the idea of sort of mixing training stimulus. So if we imagine that, you know, we have when when we look back at last time, you know, and we consider the different adaptations we can look to achieve, whether it perhaps being some sort of, you know, more neurological adaptation, you know, maybe hypertrophy, maybe some sort of metabolic adaptation. Mm-hmm. We're obviously going to need a certain degree of, you know, stimulus that, that we're eliciting to actually, you know, get ourselves to adapt in that way. And again, that's going to come down to more so a threshold, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. We're going to need a certain amount of stimulus. And mm-hmm. of course, with that, with that being said, you know, we're going to need at the very least, you know, that, that same amount of recovery to at least return to baseline. Uh, or if we do want to adapt or remain in a, in a trainable state and, you know, keep that, you know, checkbox of being able to adapt actually ticked, we're mm-hmm. going to need that, you know, recovery threshold you know, to, to, to certainly be met and ideally, you know, as, as, as recoverable as we can be. So I think uh, it, it's worth considering that obviously a, a, a different stimulus is going to be an additional stressor, you know, yep. and, that, and that can come not even just in terms of one's training, but also all other stresses that accumulate in life. You know, we've, we've touched on this when we talked about stress management in our, in our little Fitbit series. So, you know, hopefully if you're, if you're watching this and already thinking, Jesus Christ, what are they on about training, training stimulus and stress management and Jesus. Yeah. And Go this, back and watch. this is why we've, we've now done these advanced episodes. Cause even though these aren't like super complicated ideas, it still requires sort of that, that fundamental understanding of some yeah. of these ideas. So yeah. go watch those other videos if you haven't. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if we're, if we're thinking about sort of this accumulation of stresses and stimuli, really, uh, then that should uh, immediately start kind of uh, setting off some, some light bulbs in your head about why we may actually want to make our training specific to what we're trying to achieve. Because if we are, you know, trying to achieve, for, for example, let's say hypertrophy, and as we have discussed, you know, neurological, you know, adaptations and metabolic adaptations can certainly you know, lead to better hypertrophy in the long term and indirectly, but fundamentally, if we're trying to get bigger, we should be training for, for hypertrophy and that's yeah. the stimulus we're trying to elicit. If we're trying to get bigger and, you know, we're, we're, we've got a certain threshold that we need to meet in terms of, you know, stimulus to elicit, you know, uh, that kind of adaptation that we're looking for and getting bigger, then, you know, once we've met that stimulus in, you know, the ways that we may have discussed in the, in the previous video, then it doesn't then make a great deal of difference if we then go or, or positive difference, I should say, because it can certainly make mm-hmm. a negative one actually as I'll, as I'll yep. tell you. Yep, yep, it yep, doesn't yep. make a, a, a great deal of sense, I should say, to then go do a ton of other work almost for the sake of it. Because, you know, again, I think people get very caught up on that idea of there being, you know, multiple uh, you know, mechanisms of hypertrophy again, as we touched on in the last video. And people seem to feel the need to kind of try to tick all of these off within a, a, a given training session for some reason. Um, but again, these are just going to be, you know, additional, you know, stresses, if anything. And yep. potentially if due to then other external factors, you know, in life that we may be in a slightly less trainable state due to stresses being a little higher and potentially also recovery being a little lower and therefore that gap in between being smaller and therefore less trainable state then, uh, you know, these additional stresses going much further beyond that threshold that we need, yep. potentially mm-hmm. actually hindering our ability to, to adapt in the way yep. that we want. Yeah. Um, 
And the, the easy way to think about it is basically a stimulus is a stress, but a stress isn't necessarily a stimulus. And so that's an easy way to think about it. But, you know, let's let's give um, an analogy. So the reason why I I like to call them thresholds is because it's an easy way to think about it. So, you know, you've got these different forms of stimulus, which, again, are stresses. so you know you, you've got your, your your sort of quote unquote hypertrophic stimulus, your metabolic stimulus, your neurological stimulus, right? But let's think about them as gas tanks. They're three separate gas tanks. If you top up the hypertrophic gas tank, and then you know you haven't reached that threshold, and you therefore then also do a metabolic finisher, which is dumb by the way, <laughs> you're not topping up this hyper trophic gas tank you're then just hype you're topping up this metabolic um gas tank so you haven't actually added to reach that threshold if you haven't done enough on that front uh so that's where actually i like you change you you change your language before which i liked because you haven't actually done enough of one stimulus to reach the threshold required which, like you say, you originally said didn't have an impact, but then you actually said didn't have a positive impact. And that's key to understand because although it won't have a positive impact, it could have a ne- negative impact because the rest of this analogy, well, these gas tanks, these three different gas tanks lead into one bigger gas tank, which is your total stress load. So you've now not done enough of one summit to reach the thresholds, but you have done then added to this other gas tank and they feed into this big gas tank. And that's just adding to this total stress load without actually ever reaching a certain threshold for a certain stimulus. Does that, does that analogy make sense? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good yeah. One. So again, understanding that's why we don't want to mix different stimuli is really important because we've got thresholds to meet. Once we've met those thresholds, we don't need anything more. Uh, and if we do do more, then either we're going to go into a state of not being able to recover or we're going to just waste potential progression, potentially, because we obviously have this term of minimum effective volume um, or mil- min- uh, minimum effective dosage. And yeah. I think that the... the, the, the oh, that's a better way to use, yeah. Yeah, the, I think the dosage is a better uh, way to put it because we only need to achieve that minimum effective dosage because we do, it leaves, again, if, if this is our maximum progression we can make, and this is our minimum effective dosage. We've got all this room to play with. If we start here, we've got this room to play with. Mm-hmm. Less progression by trying to do too much. Yeah. So, yeah, we, 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 we don't want to mix stimuli for that reason. Uh, and then again, understand how that can actually negatively impact um, your ability to recover and your ability to adapt is, is key because, again, it's just creating this total much greater stress more stress means you have to recover from more. But again, if you're not really meeting this certain threshold for certain stimulus in the first place, what, what are you actually going to be adapting to? Chances are you might get some adaptation to what you're trying to achieve, but it's definitely not going to be as good as it could be. And again, that's important to understand. But maybe you won't get any adaptation. Maybe you'll just bury yourself into a hole. Like that, that's the, the risk you are running. Eventually, and, that's just, yeah. and that's just on the training front. You've then got to consider life stresses, work stresses, relationship stresses, and how that all feeds into this big, one big gas tank as well. So 
that's you know this idea of metabolic or a finisher or just any kind is just it's silly because what 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 does it actually achieve other than making you feel like you've worked a bit harder but again feeling like you've worked harder is just just a feeling more so than um more so than something that actually makes sense to achieve uh all right so we actually just took a break because we just confirmed our next guest um it's a big, big one. one. You think big you guys can enjoy that one? Uh, so uh, we actually have no idea where we left off, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'll let Ben just go kind of back into it because I, I know he had some. Yeah, um, I can't actually remember specifically what I said last. Got a bit caught up in the excitement there, uh, but basically, you know, um, you know, trying to do all these different stimuli at once is. Obviously, you know, as we've kind of briefly touched on, they're problematic in the short term but also problematic in the long term because again you know if you're using all your tools at once then where do you go next when when you start to um stall and when progress is start to start to stall um you know again this is where periodization is key because it, it allows you to continue to progress maybe in a slightly different That's way i wanted to go with it actually yeah, yeah but it, it allows you to progress over time uh, by using these different stimuli, again, at the appropriate time when when it's needed. And again, this is the beauty of programming because it's like you don't you just use these different stimuli randomly. You don't just go, well, I'll finish a hypertrophy phase, so now let's just go to a metabolic phase because because why not? So, no, 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 no. The, the beauty of programming is how does each phase lead on to the next and how does the next phase build upon the previous one? That's the beauty of programming. So understanding how to do that Um it's, it, it, again, it, it's a skill, um, but a good coach should have that skill. Um, but it, it comes from understanding the different stimuli and it comes from understanding how they can use tools to help you achieve uh, a long-term goal. And both, uh, or, but also, uh, you know, that short-term goal within that, you know, that mesocycle. cycle. Um, so, you know, um, I guess that's the important thing to remember is that, it still stems down to this ability to think long-term yeah. because again, you know, it's easy to do. That's where I left off. Right. Perfect. So it's easy to want to do a metabolic finisher, for example, because it makes you feel like you're working harder, but that isn't necessarily a good thing. So it's that, again, that stems from this, maybe this ability to feel like you need to do more or impatience. But again, if you have this greater ability to think long-term, you realize you don't need to do that for again the reasons were stated and it gives you this now gives you this platform to continue to progress over time by periodizing properly yeah yeah um one thing i kind of want to add before we necessarily move on to uh periodization is that understanding that you talked before about you know you need to there's recovery recovery threshold as well but understanding that sometimes programming can actually deliberately put you into an overreaching phase so you can get some 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 form of super conversation further yeah. down the road uh, understanding that is also a tool to use as well um because again it's not always like you have to recover as hard as you train that isn't always the case again it's as we said well, to be fair, we're recording a lot of videos this day but so on this day that we're recording as we've said many times it's the right tool for the right job at the right time yeah very much so very much so i think there's still actually a, a couple of things that that would uh want to quickly finish up on there before moving on to periodization. Yeah. I think that okay. actually yeah, leads, leads very nicely into periodization. So that's definitely where we'll go next. Yeah. Um, 
I think based on, on what you were saying, I think it's also worth uh, helping people understand that, you know, that on the adaptation side of things, for one, you know, depending on how you're adapting, understand that, you know, a stimulus will, will become sort of less effective over time. Now, another rule to not abuse, don't, don't assume that that means muscle confusion. Please don't assume that that's what we mean by that. Um, but that is, a, you know, another important element of, of periodizing your training and understanding, you know, again, sort of that idea of where Ben was talking about, you know, where do we go from here? Understand that sort of as you stall, you will have to sort of analyze, you know, why are you stalling? Where am I going to go with my training to facilitate more progression with this? And that is kind of the idea of, you know, a stimulus will become less effective over time as we have adapted to, you know, to that stimulus better. And that's another kind of important part of, you know, periodizing your training. And on that note, understand that when it comes to programming, as we sort of touched on last time as well, although certain things may be associated um, with certain stimuli, um, that also is dependent on someone's sort of current state of adaptation as it were yeah uh, you know we, we we did talk about last time how you know some people may associate metabolic training with with higher rep work uh, how you know neurological stuff may be more so looked at as sort of heavier training and stuff even though it's probably more more so i guess about the application of uh, of the tension more 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 so than anything uh, but certain certain things can certainly be associated with with these stimuli even if not you know completely um, you know, even if it's not completely resultant in, in that adaptation all the time. Um, but that, that it does need to be understood that just because that's associated with it, we also need to look at things on an individual level because, you know, someone who's maybe coming out of a metabolic phase will probably be better conditioned and understand that, you know, a 10-rep a set for them probably isn't going to be, you know, very metabolic because they're so well conditioned. Whereas for someone, a 10 rep set may be, you know, very demanding in that sense because they mm -hmm. haven't adapted as, as well in, on that side of things. So yeah. also from a, a programming point of view, you know, understand where you are, understand where your clients are in terms of their current adaptations. And again, periodize around that. Uh, that segues very nicely into the idea of periodization, which we did kind of touch on a bit on the, on the previous video as well. But uh, you know, particularly again, as you get further down the line in terms of advancement, uh, you know, the whole the whole idea behind this video is, you know, where 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 do we go from from here? I guess because as as, as we talked about in the last time, I think we we talked about it when we talked about sort of uh, volume and frequency and stuff. When you begin training, pretty much everything is going to work because you know that threshold for stimulus is hella low. You know, you can pretty much do anything to tick that off. Usually, I guess as you're younger, life stresses are going to be lower. Uh, generally, you know, recovery is going to be higher as well. So you are just going to be in a more trainable state when you're new yeah. at this whole thing anyway. So progress is just going to be through the roof. Uh, whereas as you get more advanced, as you start to kind of stall in certain areas, you are going to have to put a bit more thought into things. So even though some people might be listening to this thinking, you guys are overanalyzing things way too far. I'd say this is actually really still quite basic, to be honest, in, in regards to just being able to improve as, as you carry on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't quite call this, uh, you know, overanalyzing things. I think this is actually still rather basic, to be fair. Um, but on on the concept of you know periodization, that is the idea of you know looking long term, thinking about the the adjustments that, that we can make to training in terms of kind of blocks and phases uh, to again sort of uh, get the outcome that that we're looking for. 
Um, this, this can be periodization in terms of, you know, the adaptations that we're looking for. If we're looking more so at, you know, the bodybuilding side of things, this might be periodization in regards to, you know, the variables that we're setting up our training around to kind of maybe influence, you know, certain uh, hypertrophic outcomes. And we're maybe looking at things like lagging body parts and stuff. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a whole host of ways that we could really periodize our training again, you know, looking at the outcome. Uh, but this is something that, that Ben and I are sort of hugely fond of and looking long-term anyway. So I don't know if there's a, anything you kind of want to go into right off the bat, Ben, in, in regards to sort of periodization. Um, I think the most important thing, and again, kind of already been touched on, is when it comes to periodization is just the ability to do it properly. Uh, and again, understanding that periodization is still dictated by, number one, the long-term goal, um, but also the short-term goals. But then again, these short-term goals should be, you know, how do I get to that long-term goal? You know, um, so, you know, again, not doing things randomly is really, really key because, you know, this is where we need to question why, I, I, this is why, you know, this this hopefully will show why we're not overthinking this. We need to question why we're doing certain things because we're not questioning why we're doing it again. What, how do we know we're going to get the response we're actually after? You can think of periodization as like a roadmap. Um, and the better you have that planned, the straighter that road is going to be. But of course that road is never going to be straight because life will also get in the way. You know, no matter who you are, life will get in the way to some degree. And so again, Periodization is important because it doesn't just take into account your training, it does take into account your actual life. So if you know, for example, um, you've got a busy few work, weeks of work coming up, you can go, right, well, my training is going to periodize. So around this, I'm going to maybe take a deload, for example, because I'm dropping one stress for the to compensate for another stress going up. Uh, and again, we've got to remember that this analogy of the, the toll, this big one tank that is all your stress load, again, that matters because you only have, that tank can only be so full before it becomes a problem. So again, understand that periodization isn't just for continued progression, but it's also to make that road smoother, to work around other areas of life is really, really important. Um, I had something else to add as well. Um, I can't remember what else I was going to say. It was, uh... oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I know we're talking about the the um, the uh, advanced training here, so to speak, but again, understand that periodization isn't just applied to training. It is also applied to your yeah. nutrition and to your supplemental protocol as well. And then understanding how, you know, again, the, the way I actually like to plan it for clients is like, you know, you've got training column, you've got nutrition column, maybe you've got your um supplemental column as well it's not just about again the periodization works down for individually for one of them but how does it work across as well because they need to go together yeah, so good. you know um really really easy example would be you know you're in a metabolic phase that's the phase of training you're in okay how do we support that nutritionally carbohydrates um how do we support that supplementally something like beta alanine something like that avoid any any major high um, anything that contains a lot of anti antioxidants something like that because again that's going to blunt that signal um just simple considerations but again not going to go too deep into that because this is obviously on training 
But again, something we're trying to make really clear is we can't just talk about these variables in isolation because they always work together. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. something that's key with periodization is it's not just for training, it's for everything. Key for sure, key for sure. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, I think from there, it's uh, uh, another one that's kind of quite good on sort of the advanced side of things is, uh, again, sort of what we mentioned earlier on periodization is a lot of people feel as they kind of get further into training and bodybuilding and fitness is the idea of uh, lagging body parts. And I think that kind of opens up a, a whole can of worms. But again, on the periodization side of things, uh, that's that's one way in which you can sort of periodize your training. And, you know, if we're, if we're looking more so on the, the hypertrophy side of things, perhaps sort of placing a certain emphasis on bringing up certain body parts and stuff. Um, which is definitely useful. Obviously, you know, your, your programming should reflect your needs. So again, periodizing yeah. a, a sort of around your body parts as a, as a bodybuilder is pretty important. Uh, but also, again, take into consideration, you know, what state you're, you're currently in in terms of your adaptations, take into account, you know, the way, the way that you're periodizing stimulus and, and, and all that. Yeah. Um, and I just want to quickly, very quickly jump in and add the reason why we're not telling you how to periodize is because again that very much depends on the goal needs so we, we can't say how you should periodize because we don't know your goal we don't know you as an individual uh, we don't even know who we're talking to or who's listening right now so i just just want to if you're looking for that direct answer we obviously we can't give that because we're talking in a general sense so what we're trying to do here is just make you aware of potentially the importance of periodization and maybe how you can start to apply it but in terms of this specifics you will need to work that out for yourself or you know hire a coach yeah for sure for sure um yeah not good stuff uh, I, th I think people actually might want to know kind of our, our thoughts on the lagging muscles so i think that 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 periodization thing actually that's uh, lagging body parts probably a good one for us to touch on on advanced training and bodybuilding and stuff so um yeah we'll, we'll actually go into into that kind of worms for a bit actually so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people at this point might sort of feel like they have potentially sort of lagging body parts and stuff. Uh, for starters, I think it's worth understanding, you know, do you actually have a, a lagging body part? If you've only been training a, a few years and your, you know, arms are maybe just slightly lacking behind, you know, in your rear shots or something, it's quite likely that you probably don't need like a, a real specific phase geared at bringing up your arms. Um, but uh, if you actually do, then... Uh, yeah, this will this will go quite nicely because this will link it nicely into some mechanics that we'll probably go into later and stuff. So, yeah. how how do we feel it's best to bring up lagging body parts? So I've I've made my my views quite obvious on 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 Instagram and stuff. So I think fundamentally we should be looking at execution because mm -hmm. you know, mechanics is is important as we hammered in on on our last uh, fundamentals of training. Physics is the way the world around you literally works. So it. Uh, make a lot of sense to actually carry that over to your training and consider the impact of, of something like physics. Yeah. Um, yeah, the way in which you execute a movement is obviously going to dictate a lot of how, you know, tension is applied to, to a muscle. Mm -hmm. uh, we can look at things like, you know, your, your intent and explosiveness and how this kind of impacts momentum and, you know, inertial properties, but that, that's probably getting a bit too nerdy for this. So, um, or, or is it actually? Maybe, uh, maybe it's it's weird one because we are talking advanced here, but, but like how advanced do you want to go we could go super 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 in depth but then you could say this is in the second episode so maybe we should just hold it off for another episode or something like that like because we could go deep if we wanted to 
the, the point um, being, we can, I guess, I guess now we can kind of at least uh, plant some some flags for people to go kind of look further into. Yes. I guess. So, I guess. Yeah. Now, on the on the note of execution, uh, obviously, you know, the way in which you execute a movement, as I said, is going to have an impact on how tension is applied to the muscle. The the tempo of your reps, the explosiveness of your reps, everything is going to impact. You know how how that tension is applied to to your target muscle. So, if you are not being super meticulous with how you execute your movements, then that is step one, I'd say, yeah. fundamentally in bringing up a, a potentially lagging body part. On the note of sort of mechanics and stuff is exercise selection stemming off of that. I guess that kind of stems into to execution anyway, because, you know, potentially movements which uh, you might find yourself a little more tempted to cheat and stuff on or movements which, uh, you know, the way you execute may not necessarily have the, you know, the mechanics and leverages to apply the tension the way you'd want to the target muscle. Uh, exercise selection is very important because again you're going to be able to place yourself in a in a position where that tension is actually going to be able to be applied yeah. to the muscle in the way that you'd want it uh, so you know it, it, it comes it comes kind of part and parcel doesn't it when we consider mechanical tension as you know a very important driver of hypertrophy and uh, you know again mechanical tension the way that it's applied in terms of the mechanics is is of the most importance you know if you're not familiar with things like moment arms and inertia and stuff like that even though it may sound very nerdy um it, it will it will have a bearing on these things because you know while while the fundamentals remain you know we're still looking to progressively overload and get strong and stuff when it comes to our training especially as you get further down the line uh you, you're gonna have to find uh, ways to actually really keep the the ball rolling because you know yeah. eventually the the, the, the basics won't work as well as they used to. So yeah. exercise selection, I feel, is probably the next point of call. Coming off of that uh, is still, you know, things like progressive overload. Part of that mechanical tension thing is just, you know, more mechanical tension. And part of that will just be increasing the load that you're using on onset movements and continuing to progressively overload. So that, I think, is probably a good step three. And then once all those are ticked off, then we can look at kind of manipulating things like volume and frequency and those other training variables that we discussed in the first video. You know, can you potentially tag on a bit of extra frequency to those lagging muscle groups if you can recover? Yeah, sure. Because again, we still need to be ensuring that we recover so that we can progress. Um, can we look at a bit of extra volume kind of per session to, you know, perhaps meet that, you know, threshold of stimulus that we were talking about earlier? if we can recover for sure. But, you know, again, the, these things can't come at the, at the cost of progression. I don't know if there's anything you sort of want to, to add to that. Ben. Indeed. I do indeed. So I, I think one of the key things that it comes down to, and this is something that I've always said, and people just always gloss over this, especially the more sort of quote unquote hardcore bodybuilders love to gloss over this, but people don't consider how, the impact enjoyability has now what i mean by this in terms of a lagging body part is if it is a quote-unquote lagging body part and it just doesn't seem to respond as well then because you're not getting the result that you'd like the result that you're used to the result that makes you feel good enjoyability goes down what happens when enjoyability goes down effort goes down who the hell puts, you know, that most people can't grow their calves. Who the hell puts a lot of effort into growing their calves? You don't because you don't enjoy doing it. Right? That's 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 the that's very, very clear. So realistically, we can throw all the other shit we've said out the window and we just say, actually, you know what? Put some effort to actually training them. 
do it for a while because again, you didn't grow your the rest of your body overnight, did you? It didn't even it took years. So sure. actually put effort in for years and then watch as they actually do respond. It's because of the lack of effort that that's always the case. Um, and, and again, that does tend to stem from enjoyability. Now, enjoyability might because might come from the fact, again, because they're not getting a response in the first place. And like I say, you don't get that, I guess, that, oh, that feel-good factor uh, would be the best way to put it. Because, you know, if you get results, you feel good about getting the results. If you don't, you, feel, you don't feel as good. And like I say, less enjoyability, less effort. It's very, very common. Very, very common. I think most people just don't put the effort in when they don't see the results. Like they lose that quote unquote motivation and don't put the effort in. And I think that's one of the key things to understand. Again, effort combined with patience because it isn't going to happen overnight at all. Um, then, yes, uh, then I would look at the other stuff. Um, execution, I think, is really, really important. Um, potentially using the priority principle. It, I don't think that's a must, but obviously the priority principle just states that, you know, putting um, where you want to prioritize at first when you have the most energy and um, you know, you're not fatigued at all. It makes sense, but I don't necessarily think it, it's a must. You could say it would make a difference to effort, but I, I guess that depends. It, it might, it might not. But um, I guess, again, that depends on the, how the rest of your session looks. But I think, yeah, the key thing would be effort, patience, and then execution is going to be the key things. Because, um, again, most people will, you know, um, if it's lagging, they might think, well, I need to, you know, just train this harder, maybe go a bit heavier, but then you might lose the execution side of things. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about priming phases before. We've talked about learning proper movement patterns. People will do that for a squat. People will do that for a deadlift. Is anyone going to do that for their cast? Is anyone going to do that for a bicep curl? Probably not. But again, you then potentially miss out on proper execution. So again, it's that. It's, it's, it's also come along with that effort and enjoyability. It also comes along with just your mindset towards those muscles that tend to be weak is because, again, you don't get the same response and you start to view them differently. For whatever reason is it human nature maybe but again being aware of that can help you to fix the problem in the first place so i do think more than often than not it's more it's it is actually more of a mindset thing yeah yeah and it's the way you approach trying to train them because of that um other thing i'd quickly like to to interrupt though because I, I think that the priority principle is a good one to touch on actually because uh, i i think as you said you know it's it, although makes sense, definitely not a must. Cause again, it, it kind of comes back to the idea of, you know, is it at the expense of, of other things, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, potentially when we're looking, I think a very popular one is sort of the, you know, lagging arms crew. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people might then think, you know, if I'm training pull, does that mean I, you know, do some bicep work before back? Well, I'd say there probably not, because that's probably going to have an impact on, on the rest of your session and come at the expense of something else. Yeah, Whereas it, yeah. if, we're, if we're looking at, uh, I, I do like how you mentioned sort of that it might have an impact on something like effort. And this is where I, I, I definitely think that is the case, because particularly if you train hard, you know, you, you are going to mash yourself throughout your session. So if we do look at something like a pull session, if you're doing you know a couple of sets of biceps at the end, when you're pretty mashed off something like deadlifts, rows, etc., you're probably not going to put a great deal of effort into, into training your biceps and therefore probably not going to grow. Uh, this, this is why I feel like, you know, something like playing around sort of your, your volume and frequency can, can come in handy because 
if we're looking at the frequency side of things, then we can, one, one thing which I found very useful is tagging my arms onto the front of my leg day, because then I'm, you know, priority principle, while I'm nice and fresh, I'm able to go a little heavier, put a little more effort into my arm training. But in, in, on that day, it's not going to have an impact because, you know, a dumbbell curl is just not going to, to mash me before my, before my leg session, is it? So that way I can tick off some very good quality work for my arms and still not have, you know, any sort of detriment to, to my session after that. So I think that's a, an important one to consider. Yeah. And I, I think then also understanding how actually, you know, effort itself does also affect execution because if you're putting in less effort, it's more likely to be sloppy execution as well. So again, you know, effort, enjoyability, patience, I think are the key things to understand uh, to bring up a, a lagging body part. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, just remembering that you didn't build the rest of you. If they supposedly do respond worse, then it's only going to take more time than the rest of your body. So yeah, you, you've got to have the patience as well, which is key. Um, I did kind of want to go over the force application that you mentioned before. Um, again, if we can kind of keep it basic, but not... Uh, obviously, there's going to be some degree of advancement talking about it, but we'll, we'll try and keep it basic-ish. And well, all I really wanted to say is that on kind of perhaps the final thing was was kind of you know things like strength profiles and and resistance, uh, yes, like strength profiles and resistance profiles. So I think that probably would be a, a decent rabbit hole to to go into. And perhaps, I don't know if that's kind of where you wanted to go with sort of force application as well, but kind of yeah. I, I just want to make it people aware that you know, this is called resistance chain for a reason. It's because, you know, you have to overcome a resistance. So there is a certain amount of force required to overcome that resistance. But again, depending on, you know, things like tempo and, um, and intent, things like that. Uh, and then obviously man manipulation of resistance profiles as well and strength profiles, um, where that force comes from can differ but the overall force needed to overcome resistance is still mm. the same. It always yeah. will equal the same. If you, so again, you know, if you have a lot of intent at the bottom, you can therefore create uh, more momentum, especially as the resistance profile starts to change or potentially drop off mm. that force required to move that resistance is still the same, but more of it might come from momentum, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if anything, you might overexert the amount of force you need to do. And But remember, if you overexert that force, that is wasted energy as well. Um, well, you're technically wasted energy because it's transferred energy, um, which you could argue over, over enough reps is going to diminish your ability to perform yeah. those reps. Yeah. Um, in fact, I wouldn't say you could argue it. I would absolutely say that is the case, mm -hmm. um, especially on, you know, high intent reps if you're trying to be explosive at the bottom that's a lot of contractile force which requires a lot of energy a lot of atp in the moment to be able to produce that much force so again you know and then what's happening like i say is you then transferring a lot of that force into momentum which then is what overcomes the resistance not mechanical tension is which is what you're after so i don't want to get too much into that but understanding there is a force required to overcome resistance but where that force can come from can differ depending on how you perform the rep, how the rep is set up, rep execution, rep, you know, like I say, just a lot of, a few, well, a few different factors that can, that can differ where that force comes from. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Cause obviously earlier I was talking about sort of like inertia and momentum and stuff. And yeah, no, so that, that, that was a good one to kind of uh, take that one a little more in depth. 
Uh, I think probably a, a good kind of little one to, to go into towards the end then is uh, while we are on kind of the physics talk side of things, uh, I, uh, I think uh, something which becomes increasingly prominent as you get more advanced is the idea of kind of strength profiles and uh, resistance profiles. So everyone loves a band, don't they? Yeah, I think I think that's the important one to touch on because I think uh, again we we have had like a, a nice big recording session today, so we have kind of uh, you know already discussed the idea that people are for some reason are just kind of falling into into camps even more so yeah. despite there just being more and more information out there. People just seem to somehow get more and more divided, yeah. uh, and yeah. I think a, a good a good uh, kind of way to look at that is also the the band situation, and that kind of stems off the whole sort of strength profile, resistance profile type thing. So uh, it's it's worth understanding that, again, due to, you know, physics, in uh, certain exercises, we're going to have part of the movement where we are stronger, part of the movement where we are weaker. Um, th this is obviously going to, to vary from, from exercise to exercise. Uh, but the way, one way, I should say, in which we can sort of overcome this is uh, potentially something like use of a band or a reverse band to try to even out the strength curve of yeah, that. Yeah, which is called accommodating resistance. It's quite literally in the name, it accommodates that resistance uh, because you do have a strength profile of a muscle versus a resistance profile of an exercise. Uh, like you said, uh, a muscle is going to be strong or weak depending on where it is in terms of its, um, its own range. Uh, and an exercise is going to be hard or easy depending on where it is or within that um exercise i guess um reasons there are different reasons why why it might be harder at certain points again you can look at you know different things such as moment arms and then things like you know the rotation of axis as well and where they are relative to each other um you could understand different i suppose different angles um that or different planes of motion that you're traveling in can affect where something's hard as well um again right now realistically without putting this stuff together we are just saying jargon at the minute so we, we do need to make this more applicable i suppose so I, I don't know if you want to if we should give examples so people understand a bit better i think uh, i think a good one is uh perhaps sort of looking at things like the the chest supported row and setting up further back on that i think that's a, a good one to look at in terms of kind of moment arms and axis of rotation because i think that's a a very popular setup at the, at the moment and I've, I've had quite a few people actually ask me why why does so and so do it like that instead of with his chest on the pad and stuff so yeah um obviously you know basic basic gcse physics you know if we've, if we've got a, a a moment arm we're basically looking at sort of force to um you know around a kind of axis and and, and rotation and basically the moment arm is sort of how how far away from that axis the, the axis the force is acting um obviously the further we are away from that axis the greater the force is basically going to to feel so if we are thinking i'm trying to think of the, the best way to sort of word this now so I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this will be familiar with something like the, the hammer strength uh, chest supported row. Uh, if we consider sort of the the axis where sort of the arm of that machine sort of rotates and we consider then the arm where the plate sits on further away from that kind of axis of rotation, at the bottom of that movement, that it, it starts out kind of 
this is probably going to make a lot more sense if you're watching the video version of this because I'll use my hands. <laughs> but if we imagine sort of the, the axis of, of rotation sitting here, and then we've got the plates on the arm kind of sitting down here. As we then kind of do the row movements and pull back on, on the machine, we're then going to get the plates coming along like this. So now, whereas we have this moment arm down here, you know, a much smaller moment arm. So the, the, the movement is going to feel much easier, which, you know, is actually now I'll continue on that train of thought. Then by the time we get to the top, we've got a much bigger moment arm. And going back to what Ben was saying about, you know, strength profiles of a muscle, something like that isn't actually going to complement the strength profile of our lat, for instance. So what you might see a lot of people do is actually set themselves much further back on that machine and use kind of their arm against a chest pad to set them up much further back. And then what that essentially does is because they've obviously pulled the machine back, we're now starting in that harder portion of the rep on the machine. Which is where the light is strong. Yep. And then as we then pull back, we're actually getting it moving further up to then make the moment arm smaller uh, in, in relation to that, to that axis. And therefore, we actually get a drop off in load, which is again where whether the the lad is actually going to be weaker, and therefore we've potentially got uh, a, a, a more kind of efficient movement for for the lat. However, yeah. th this is actually quite important because when we are then thinking about programming and putting a session together, it's then also worth considering that you know our ability to get short is obviously going to be much better when we are fresh and is going to diminish as we fatigue. So. You know, if we are looking to actually challenge the lat more so at the start of the session, then we may still actually favor, you know, going with that initial setup and actually challenging the lat in its shortened range. Yep. But if we are, you know, actually looking for movements where if you're thinking, oh, you know, we're, we don't want to see a huge decline in performance we're towards the end of a pull session, this is perhaps where we might favor a setup. Uh, which does complement its strength pro uh, the, the strength profile of the lat and where we mm -hmm. can get a drop off in load and that way we can potentially uh, get a, a slightly more efficient movement out of that yep and uh, this again a few points to, to go off there this right now all this is the examples we've given at least are all dictated by gravity they're all dictated by gravity there are examples where it's not but that they are all dictated by gravity and uh, again that's just a really basic thing to understand is that gravity is dictating all of this. Yeah, this is essentially GCSE um, physics, you know. Yeah. The, um, the jargon may sound complicated when, when we start, you know, talking about inertia and moment arms and stuff like that, but it, this isn't really anything, you know, crazy beyond GCSE physics. No, not not really. Um, um, so, yeah, um, and the second thing is, like, again, this is where there are a lot of missed applications being put in. A lot of people then have run of this and just try to make everything match the, the strength profile to the resistance profile and just always have accommodate resistance. It's like, Trying way too no, hard. You need, yeah, you, you, you need to challenge where you're weak. You do still need to challenge where you're weak. Yeah. Otherwise, what happens is you'll just get this massive missed appropriation between where you're strong and where you're weak and it'll just, the gap will get bigger and bigger and bigger so you do need to still challenge where you're weak um and that's really really important to understand now again where we can start to then take this one further is understanding how you know levers start to work as well because we've just given an example but then that can change based on how levers work as well because again basic physics basic gcsc physics the longer the lever the less uh, effort that was required on your part to be able to overcome an initial inertia. So maybe not on 
I mean, I suppose technically your arm length on a on a hamstring for a would matter, but that's less applicable than say a leg extension. Which can you guess why I'm starting to go into this? Did you know? Do you, remember, do you know? Do you remember why I'm going to give this example on the leg extension? I, I assume you're going to refer to that one post from Instagram yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. But basically, you know, it, a leg extension. Obviously, the, the moment arm is is dictated by um, where that that pad is in relative to where your leg is. So if it's higher up your shin, the moment arm is less because your access rotation is your knee. If it's lower down your shin, the moment arm is greater. So you think, well, all right, um, this is again, this is why this is why it matters though, because if you have the same amount of loads, so you're listening, lifting say 100 kilograms and you've got the pad higher up your knee, that is, you're not actually lifting 100 kilograms. If it's lower down, you might, uh, you're going to be lifting more. Okay. But this is where lever length comes in because as I've just said, the longer the lever, the easier it is to come overcome that initial inertia matters because if you've got a higher up your knee what does change is having to overcome the weight initially it becomes yeah. harder now does it match up appropriately so that what you've lost from moment arm is made up for in um lever length that's hard to say and that's where we can start to get really complicated and maybe over the top that's where i'd agree we're getting over the top but i think just understanding that's important because if we look at progression and you're not placing the pad the same height every single week how do you know you're actually progressing yeah, yeah. you might think you've lifted more yeah bro i lifted five kilograms more than last week but have you actually mm-hmm. that's why it's important to consider you don't have to worry about the actual physics or mechanics or mathematical equations, but you do need to at least con- consider where you're just putting that height of the pad every single week, because then you can ensure that there's at least some form of standardization on that front. And therefore you can, you know, actually know your progression when, when you say you are. Um, and yeah. that's, that's where it becomes important to understand. And that's where we can apply it just to even, you know, even the gen pop, we can apply it in that sense, because yeah. it just, that's actually a really simple thing. Again, the physics and the, the equations behind it might become more complicated. And maybe as coaches, you need to understand that. But then when you apply it, it's actually really simple. It's yeah. simple, simple as, like, say, make sure that the, the foot pad is the same height every week. So that's that's why I'm trying to give those examples. Oh, I think I think that was a that, that was a very good one to 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 give actually. Um, uh, again, the idea of you know just knowing these things versus being able to apply them is is very important because you know as we said, people seem to just be falling further into sort of two camps where it's you know just do your you know barbell rows and, and bench press versus you know actually thinking maybe not necessarily trying to reinvent the wheel as maybe people in the other camp are perhaps trying to do, but more so just thinking, how can we make that wheel a little bit better than just the basics? Cause again, you know, as you get advanced, you're probably going to need a, a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it is, it is something that some people might view as over the top, but to, to that, I'd say, again, is a lot of this really anything outside yeah. GCSE physics is exactly. actually, that advanced or are we just actually trying to make the wheel a little bit better and yeah. if our goal is to you know maximize hypertrophy and you know grow as much as we can then i'd say that we'd be stupid to not be thinking about how we yeah. can apply these things um and, and the, it, the it, example it, i gave on the on the leg extension 
for some people might have sounded complicated. But like I say, all that results, all that actually translate to in real life is just making sure you have the same the same setup, the same foot, the, the same pad set up every single week. So again, you say you might say it's overcomplicating it, but actually it's not it when it's not when you actually translate it. Yeah. It's just it is actually really basic stuff when you translate it. So yeah. Um and this doesn't you know. this doesn't have to change like loads about your your training because again, it's just thinking how we can, how can we make it a little bit better. You know, me and me and Ben, you know, talk talk about all this stuff, but does that actually train a, uh, does that change a great deal in our training? No. You know, Ben Ben might reverse band his his hack squat again, you know, to to make the to make the resistance profile, you know, suit the the, the quads a bit better. But does that mean we, we go any less hard? No. Does that mean that you know it, it's nothing you know out of this world that the application still especially if you know you're trying to to get big the application it just just remains trying to make your training a little yeah. better and then again you know look look back at the fundamentals that we talked about you know still understanding things like the training variables like volume intensity frequency it doesn't the, these things don't change a, a great deal yeah. and uh that's 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 take that back let's give my example it's like yeah, I, I do reverse band my hack squat um, because number one, I'm just very, very strong. Um, and I, I, you know, the fact that I can reverse band it and lift a lot at the top is almost proving itself of why I need to, um, just so I can actually create the load that's necessary towards the top of the movement. But I'm not neglecting the bottom part, that motor, the, the bottom part of the, the movement. Because on my other leg day, I have a squat where guess where it's hardest, the bottom yeah. of the movement. So I'm still training that portion, but it's just understanding that you don't have to try to do again. It leads into, I guess it kind of leads into periodization, but more so it just leads into not trying to do everything at once. I'm still training that part, part of the motion, but just in separate sessions, but across yeah. one microcycle. So I'm still covering what I need to cover. Uh, again, this is where you just have to put a bit more thought and um, detail into your programming, understanding you don't need to achieve everything at once. Um, but you know, as long as it's across a microcycle, mesocycle, or macrocycle, then you know that's that's good enough. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, to be fair, I think that uh, probably knocks out a, a lot of the stuff that we wanted to talk about today. So that might actually be a yeah place to, to wrap it up. You know, uh, as as we said, we haven't taken like anything super in depth today because no. you know we, we can't we we can't do like. A, a, when when we talk about a broader episode like training as a whole we obviously when we're talking for like an hour hour and 15 there's not a great deal that, that we can really cover in in, in super detail yeah. if we're talking about a few topics but you know if we can if we can kind of use these you know first batch of education series episodes as you know either flags for you to kind of then go look further into on your own and you know mm -hmm. have some things which you're considering about how you may be able to apply to your training and then we'll probably actually then do you know real episodes on each of these topics further in the in the future and really kind of go in depth for the people who then you know have, have listened to this and thought actually I would to, to learn yeah. more about that. So th this is kind of almost just sort of a, a bit of a starting point from us. But yeah. we hope we hope that you've been able to kind of take something regardless to to be able to apply to your training, particularly if you have been at it for a, kind of a bit longer and you're you're thinking sort of where do I go from here? Hopefully these are some things that you can kind of take to apply to your training. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll wrap it up there. Thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, please remember to like, follow, subscribe, show your yep, support. Please. Always massively appreciative, uh, especially on kind of these uh, education videos. We do, we do try to kind of, you know, provide some value and help you guys take some things away to, to be able to improve with. 
Uh, so yeah, we'll see you guys in the next one and thank you for watching. Yeah, see you in the next one.